I'm Dean Blandino, and you're listening to Scoop FM. Welcome to Scoop FM, the official podcast of the Dynasty League, the only league that counts. I'm your host, Dan Belinke, and it is the end, the official end of the 2023 season. You know how it's the end? It's because we're celebrating, baby. Presley Harvin, Chooks Okorafor, Mitch Trubisky, enjoy the unemployment line, get on the fucking bus, take the RTA somewhere else, get the fuck out of here. That's how we know the season's over. Fabulous close of the season. The Chiefs win again. The 40 whiners do not prevail. Thank God. I used to be a 49ers fan. What what they did to my guy, Trey Lance, in favor of bum Brock Purdy. And everyone said, you know, he played well enough to win that. No, he fucking didn't. He was high and off target multiple times. Got bailed out by dumping it off to CMC, as always. Oh, Kittle broke his own. There he is standing still, flagging him down for three whole seconds. Oh, Brock Purdy found him. Amazing. I'm so sick of the lies. I'm sick of it. It's fraudulent. It's been exposed. He's not that good. And everybody's like, oh, the Chiefs are so close to losing so many times. Yeah, that's a fucking Super Bowl. That's what happens. And then Mahomes has a deep shot to McCole Hardman. You're like, yeah, that's that's why he's going to win. That's why he's going to win. The Chiefs were so good to me. They were so good to us. I bet them every single round, and my only regret is that I didn't bet more and more and more. They were so good to us. Probably my best playoffs ever, um, and I, I should have bet more, damn it. And I should have taken him in that that uh fantasy playoff league. I, I've kept saying the key is you find a quarterback that can go to a Super Bowl that doesn't have a bye. And I went with Josh Allen, Dak, Lamar. He was stand, he was sitting right there. But I kept thinking to myself, well, I don't think they're going to score a lot against the Dolphins. And then once they win that, they might have to go to Buffalo. Who knows what the weather will be. It's dumb, dumb, dumb. Take Mahomes, ride with Mahomes out of principle. We know, we know it to be true. Anytime he's an underdog, we're taking him. He's a disgusting record. Uh, in those games. And and the unders did us so well, too. And that under almost went nuts. The unders for the Chiefs hit well all year. So that being said, the only other big piece of news that's finally circulating is the rest of the world, the big media heads like Mark Caboli and all the other fucking idiots that quote-unquote cover the Steelers have finally got around to the heat and the possibility of trading for Justin Fields. Something that I have been banging the drum for since September of 2023, maybe week three of the regular season when I said, yep, we are never doing anything with Kenny Pickett. Drew, I know you made a trade for him. I would say that he is worth dirt, but that would be an insult to dirt. He's worth less than dirt because at least dirt can cultivate seeds and turn them into crops that can feed a family. Kenny Pickett can't feed anyone. He can't feed an offense. He can't feed a city. He can't do it. He sucks. He's terrible. We all see it. The Steelers are going nowhere with him. They want to take a year and say, well, we're just going to put Tannehill behind him, and we'll build up the line, and then we'll be ready to strike next year when the uh, 2025 draft class is just as bad as Kenny Pickett's draft class was. Yeah. Oh, oh, but maybe Russell Wilson will be available then. No, please don't, 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 don't. So let me dispel all the lies and myths about the Justin Fields situation that need to be addressed. So number one, everyone's saying, you can't do this. Look at all the reasons why he's not worth a high pick. He's got a contract looming. You have to make a fifth-year option decision before, you know, May 15th or whatever it is. Um, He's got, you know, 18 career fumbles or last year, whatever, all that shit. Okay, so you're telling me he's not worth a high pick, and then you list off six seven reasons, which is why he's not going to get a high pick. You see that none of those situations are unique to the Steelers trading for him. That is the reality of any team trading for him, which is precisely why he's not getting a high pick. The Panthers traded a second in the current draft and then a future fourth for Sam Darnold. The Colts uh, got traded for Carson Wentz who basically, you know, led his team to a one uh, a one seed. Yeah, they were the one seed that year. 
he was an MVP candidate before he got hurt. He was probably going to win. And they traded him for a second in the current year and a second the following year. So the fact that Justin Fields, who's never won anything, has never shown anything, and other teams are not going crazy over quarterback like we thought, hence Kenny Pickett's draft class. How many teams needed a quarterback in that draft that were ahead of the Steelers? 19 teams, and a good amount of them needed a quarterback. None of them took Kenny Pickett. And, you know, they waited on Desmond Ritter. They waited on Malik Willis. And this year, I think you're going to see it too. Bo Nix, Michael Penix, they're going to fall, man. No one's one's reaching for these guys in the first round anymore. Teams aren't going to do that. Teams look at those trades— The trades for Carson Wentz, the trades for Sam Darnold, the other trade for Carson Wentz that the commanders made, right? The the Russell Wilson trade. And nine times out of ten, those trades, I mean, even, come on, the Aaron Rodgers trade, they're not worth it for the team that trades for that quarterback. So I don't really think there's going to be a massive bidding war for Justin Fields. So what is he worth? My guess is a fourth-round pick in the current year. Plus, if you really want to get the deal done, give him a third the following year, maybe another fourth. And why do I think that? Well, at best, because of his um, lack of Pro Bowl experiences and everything else, the comp pick for him, if they let him walk in free agency, would be a third-round pick. But, of course, you let him walk in free agency, that requires that he's on your roster for a year, which is an uncomfortable situation when you draft Caleb Williams to have another quarterback in the room. And then the comp pick formula would be for the 2026 draft. So... Yeah, he's worth a third-round pick in 2026 if you don't get a deal done with him. So you, you have to trade him. Um, you'd rather have a pick this year. But here's the, here's the thing. The second that you're opening up phone calls for Justin Fields right now, everybody knows what you're doing at 101. So everybody knows you don't want him. And you probably don't want him around when the season starts. And you probably want it before draft day. So you've tipped your hand. You've, you've, you've lost leverage. Your other option is to wait until draft day and, uh, you know, just take Caleb 101 and then, hope. well, let's see, maybe someone will come call and we'll trade Justin Fields overnight and we'll get back in the second round with another pick. Yeah, how'd that work out for the Cardinals with Josh Rosen? I mean, I know Fields has shown more than Josh Rosen, at least has a level of a- uh, athletic baseline Rosen never had, but they tried to do that shit. They end up getting like a six-round pick. You've tipped your hand. No one, Everyone knows you don't want him, Right. And then you think about the potential suitors. The only thing that you have to worry about is other teams making a dumb decision and paying up really big. What team is motivated right now to do that? Because I'll tell you, teams like J.J. McCarthy. They like Jaden Daniels. They think Bo Nix is okay. So why would a team right now say, hey, I'm in the top 15-ish picks. There's four quarterbacks in this draft that I like, maybe even five. Maybe I don't want all of them in the first round, but I'm inclined to wait. I'm inclined to wait. So you want to pick for Justin Fields if you're the Bears and you want it this year. You want to guarantee it going into draft weekend. You're not going to get a lot of suitors. Who Who's in the back end of the first round that, that needs a quarterback? Not many teams. Barely any. They're all in the top half. They're comfortable with waiting. All right, let's see what happens in the first round. Yeah, you know, J.J. McCarthy went higher. We didn't get him, went a couple picks ahead of us. Let's see if we can get Bo Nix in round two. Mm. All right, let's see if we can get Spencer Rattler in round three. You can't keep waiting, and that's why I just think he's going to be worth a fourth. People think that's crazy, but it's it's not a bad price to pay. And then the other thing about his contract, everyone says, oh, his contract is so untenable. Here's the thing. Yes, you have to make a decision on the fifth-year option, but you don't have to give it to him. Number one, $25 million is really not that expensive for a quarterback. Derek Carr just got $40 million. I mean, that's, in retrospect, $25 million for another year of fields is a good deal. And you should be happy to, if you make that trade and he works out, you should be happy to pay him. And if not, $25 million, like I said, that's not horrible for a one-year bridge quarterback. And then the, the on top of it is, you don't have to do that with him. Do the Jordan Love deal. Jordan Love, in a very similar situation, hey, I'm kind of unproven. There's a lot of question marks. I have a fifth-year option. You haven't seen enough of me in this system to be confident to to, uh, pull the trigger on that fifth-year option. So he did a two-year deal, spread the money out over two years. And so he played great down the stretch, should have beat the Niners to begin with. And if he has another big year, then he's going to get a huge contract. Fields could do the exact same thing, and you could end up paying him $12 million a year. So so what's, what's the issue? 
Kenny Pickett sucks. We need to move on. Everyone needs to move on. They drafted him because the Roonies are still sore that they let Dan Marino in their backyard go to Miami. That's it. But guess what? He's Kenny Pickett. He's not Kenny Marino, and he never will be. So move on. Get Justin Fields so I can move on and be happy. Because him with Arthur Smith, who, yes, I've talked myself into Arthur Smith being a great hire, and I'm really excited. And, you know, Drew, this is our guy. This is our guy, man. This is our guy, a titan forged in steel. Let's go. All right, anyway, let's cut right to the chase. Why everybody tunes in. Because, my dear friends, we have tonight for you a new 2024 Super Bowl hangover mock draft. Yes, that's right. Let's get right into it. Let's let's have no time a-wasting. Let's see what's being mocked this time around. All right, at number one, Dave. Okay, so Dave is going to take Caleb Williams. Now, there is some talk. Why would, you know, people are saying, why why is Caleb Williams the surefire 101? I mean, why is that? He had a terrible year, relatively speaking, and I agree. But watching USC, their offense was a complete, complete mess. And their defense is maybe the worst defense in the entire Pac-12 outside of Colorado, which is really, really saying something. So Caleb Williams pretty much knew every possession, I have to score or we're fucked. We need to go tit for tat every possession or we will not win a game. Um, New offensive coordinator for him this year didn't look great. And I think when you watch him, the things that stick out, not an impressive stature at all. I mean, he's probably in the Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield height range, right? Maybe a little taller. Um, Squatly built. I don't think he looks too skinny out there. But it's the off-platform stuff. When you watch him out of structure, off his spot, out of the pocket, making something happen, when the play breaks down, when the protection breaks down, when people can't get open, he does things in those moments with his arm talent and throwing from off-platform and just improvising that is only comparable comparable to Patrick Mahomes. Like, there's, I don't, I don't see anyone else that can do that kind of magic back there that's 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 not Mahomes. I mean, it's that good. And of course, that's what a lot of people, the retrospect, everyone's asking, why did so many teams whiff on Mahomes? Why wasn't Mahomes? And it's like, well, yeah, you saw that he put up huge numbers, but he had a lot of picks. You know, he was very sloppy, all these different things. And it, it's a cliche, but getting a guy like that the opportunity to sit for a year was probably massively beneficial. Um, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, Mahomes would have been great out the gate. I'm like, yeah, I think... He would have got there eventually, but it would have been a bumpy road and, and probably, who knows, could have been so bad it shakes his confidence. We don't know how these things go with, with guys from a mental standpoint. So I think it would be amazing if Caleb Williams had that opportunity, but Cat's out of the bag. That's not happening. He's going one-on-one. He's starting from day one. Um, so why should Dave take him? Well, number one, the one-on-one has never been traded once it's been awarded. What I mean by that is, Obviously, the picks that become 101 get traded all the time. But once we know that that 101 is locked in, it's never been traded, not once. So I just think it's very unlikely that Dave finds a deal good enough to move him off this spot. And then, of course, Dave is somewhat settled at quarterback. He's got Goff. He's got Jordan Love. He's got Aaron Rodgers. But he adds Caleb Williams this one piece. That gives him so much flexibility, right? He can easily dump off, you know, next year if he's – in a position where someone's contending and they're like, I just need a quarterback to get me through the playoffs, boom, here's Rodgers for a second. No skin off my back. I got three starters. You know, things with golf go sideways, who knows, um, which I don't think will happen. But, you know, someone gets hurt, it's great insurance. It's great insurance. So I think that's why he still goes Caleb number one. All right, Drew, up at two. Drew, 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 Drew. I think the story with Drew is pretty obvious. He would love to get three from me, which could be on the table for the right price. But I, I would need a considerable price, a considerable price that I don't know if he's ready to pay. But it could be on the table because this is, and I've talked to multiple people in Dynasty, this is the most cursed spot this year because everyone knows the debate. Do you go Marv? Do you get a guy who is instantly valued in the top 10 of all receivers in Dynasty with room to grow? Or do you get Drake May this tantalizing quarterback prospect. The, literally, 
if you close your eyes and you think of a quarterback, you see Drake May, and then you go to sleep and you see him in your nightmares if you don't draft him. So how do you make the decision here? You know, it's, it's, it's the possibility of what Drake May could be for the next 15 years and knowing what Marvin Harrison Jr. is. So last time I had Drew taking Marvin Harrison and then later taking J.J. McCarthy. I'm going to have him switching it up this time. Um, obviously because both are real possibilities. So let's see how the draft plays out when that happens. But why take Drake May here? Well, Drew's quarterbacks are not getting it done. Geno Smith and Derek Carr. A- Adam Schefter literally tweeted today that, hey, Geno Smith's not going to get cut before March, so his injury guarantee will kick in, just so everyone knows. That's a weird thing that he's putting out there right now. Why did the team have him put that out there? Like, they are preparing people to understand, yeah, like, we know we gave Geno a two-year deal. Don't, don't think that we're satisfied with that, especially because we got a new head coach. You know, who knows what's going to happen? And Derek Carr is Derek Carr. The Saints are stuck with him because they're fucked with their cap. But clearly, they, they're not happy with him, right? So Drew needs to stabilize his position. He's got picks six through nine. And as hard as it is to pass on Marv here, he knows he got Justin Jefferson at pick... 11 I mean he was the fourth receiver off the board maybe the fifth no I think the fourth but still I'm not saying that there's going to be a receiver lower down in this class that ends up being more like better than Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think that's going to happen but Drew could get two receivers at six and seven who you know combined put up pretty good points they're not as good as one single Marvin Harrison, but, but they're good. Whereas 6-7, and seven, his prospects at quarterback are a lot worse than Drake May. So I'm going to have him go Drake May here. The question is, why Drake May? Similar to Caleb Williams, um, he didn't have a great year this year. And I talked about how bad Caleb Williams' defense was. Drake May's was just as bad, if not worse. Watch out for UNC this year. I think if there's a team easy to fade out the gate in college football, it will be UNC. Drake May's receivers this past year were awful. His best receiver the year before was Josh Downs. His best receiver this year was Devontae Walker, who didn't come in until like week eight and hadn't played football for like a year and a half and was very rusty and inconsistent. He has tons of drops all over the place. He cannot trust these guys. Um, and it's the same kind of that desperation mode that takes over. His second half numbers are atrocious, but you marry that up with some of the stats on they were down. In most of those situations, they are down. They are coming from behind. He's forcing it. So you hope that a lot of the things you saw this year was situation-based, and then you look at you look at just the talent, right? And this is exactly why it's like sometimes, you know, it's always, it's always hard to do this, to draft these guys. And, you know, no, you know it's, these GMs think they have it hard. We have it a lot harder even. Um, but when you look at him, you're like, okay, he's literally built like Justin Herbert, same size. I remember watching the Combine and Herbert's year and seeing, you know, Burrow and, and Tua and Herbert and Jalen Hurts. And there were a couple other guys in that class. Was it Kyle Trask or something? I don't know. All lined up together and throwing. And the first thing that was on my mind was I was like, damn, Herbert's fucking big. I was like, holy shit. You know, you watch these guys in college and, you know, you just see them, you see them playing in the backfield. You see them behind the center. They just look like a dude. Then you see them all lined up together, and you're like, wow, Herbert's a lot bigger than Tua. <laughs> like, he's a lot taller than Burrow. I mean, he was just massive compared to them. Um, and I think there's going to be a little bit of that with Drake May. When you see all these guys sitting next to each other, you're like, okay, you know, Jaden Daniels, he's going to be a hell of an athlete. He's going to run super fast, uh, but he's very lanky. Caleb Williams is a little shorter. You look at Drake May, and you're like, okay, he's got the arm strength. He's got the size. Footwork can be a mess. Needs a little help with decision-making, but if he gets to a good situation, they can fix those things. You've got all the ingredients for what could be a big, big-time big hit at quarterback. And remember, he also led his team in rushing the prior year. So that also speaks to just how shitty UNC has been and his situation has been. But that's why I still have him as quarterback two over Jaden Daniels. All right, up at three, me, like I said, the most blissful spot in the entire draft. It's Drake. The day I got my pick back and I knew it was going to be three, I just started singing, Drake May or Marvin Harrison, Drake May or Marvin Harrison, Drake May or Marvin Harrison, Drake May. 
or Marv because it's going to be one or the other. I don't care. They're both great. I'm going to take Marvin Harrison here with confidence. Um, and, you know, I'm hearing a little bit on the Twitter with the with the, with the the dynasty and the fantasy and the, the, the professional Twitter scouts out there saying, the, the gap between Odunze and Neighbors is a lot wider than my gap between Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. And I'm... I'm seeing some shit and like a lot of stuff like I think Neighbors is actually better than Marvin Harrison. I'm, I won't be surprised. I hate that's my least favorite thing when these guys on Twitter are like I won't be surprised if the wide receiver two is better than the wide receiver one. Yeah, like no fucking shit. That's really not that. <laughs> that's not a hot take. Okay, number one, you're not declaring it. Number two, you're just you're saying I wouldn't be surprised. Number two, they're ranked one and two. You know what I mean? If you come out there and say, I wouldn't be surprised if Malachi Corley is better than Marvin Harrison. All right, that's a hot fucking take. So stop with that nonsense. But why I don't even ascribe to that, why I think that Marvin Harrison, and you guys know this, but other people don't, why he's with a bullet the best wide receiver in this class. Because when you look at everyone else and you say, wow, Malik Neighbors had an awesome year. So did Adunze. Look at these numbers. Wow, they have better numbers than Marvin Harrison. Yeah, what they do the year before when they were sophomores, oh, their numbers were extremely mediocre. So we're talking one year of massive production compared to three years from Marvin Harrison. Okay, and even his, you know, his, his freshman year, you could say, not massive numbers, but their sophomore year numbers comparable to his freshman year numbers. He did the same thing twice. And here's the other thing. Penix, for whatever, for whatever happens in the NFL draft, that Washington defense, or sorry, that Washington, well, that Washington offense was one of the best in the nation. It got them to the damn championship. Okay, Jaden Daniels, they set records down there. They're, they were, they, those LSU overs were cooking um, until, until the books caught up later in the year. But seriously, I mean, and the key is, if you look at the three of them, you say, which one of them produced with a bad quarterback, an objectively bad college quarterback? Marvin Harrison, right? Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels, they were great for those other receivers. Kyle McCord is a bum. He's going to Syracuse. Marvin Harrison did it with the quarterback for Syracuse, okay? And he was still able to do it. And then you look at their their surrounding talent. Who's okay, so sure, Roma Dunze is gonna go high. Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, they're going round two, round three. Uh, Malik Neighbors, yeah. Brian Thomas, his his running mate, probably going late round one, maybe round two. If Ibuka came out, maybe he would go late one. But Ibuka was hurt a lot of the year and on and off the field. Marvin Harrison, and I, Fleming's okay. And, and, you know, my point is that Marvin Harrison, everyone knew he was the dude. There wasn't other receivers that teams really had to worry about and clue in on. And with a bad quarterback, he still had the season he had this year. That's why anybody trying to tell you, oh, these guys are really close. Nope, it's Marv, wide receiver one with a bullet. Oh, I just lost about five minutes or 10 minutes of, of recording. I forgot to hit record. Oh, wow. Well, if you can't tell, this is less of a mock draft, more of a therapy session for me on, uh, on the dumb shit I see on Twitter. All right. Anyway, up at four, let's spice it up. It's the same three guys. Every time I fucking do this, we get it. We get it. We get it. I gave them a lot of time this time. I want to talk through They're They're great prospects. I want to give them their time on the mic that they deserve, but let's get to some spicy. Let's get to number four. We got Dave on the board at number four. There's an obvious quarterback that's worthy of this pick, but Dave doesn't want him. Dave just drafted Caleb Williams. He's loaded at quarterback. Dave does not need another quarterback, especially an unproven rookie. Um, so what's he going to do? He's going to try to trade this pick, right? He he can't make this pick. You know, he, he comes into this draft. He doesn't need a tight end, even though he would love Bowers. He doesn't need a quarterback, even though he's in the perfect spot to take Caleb and he's going to take him. He needs a running back. He needs flex help. This is the shit he needs. He doesn't need this pick. So last time I had Nick Young giving up Puka Nakua for the pick. But I'm going to throw that out and say that that actually doesn't happen. I'm going to say that Nick Young has a change of heart. Because Nick Young is sitting there at 12 and may say to himself, geez, it's not a terrible quarterback class. I could sit down here and maybe someone will fall to me. But even if not, do I need to jump up all the way to four? No. Do I need to give up the guy who's on an ascending Rams team with Matt Stafford and Sean McVay and set the rookie reception record? 
Do I need to give up that guy for a complete unknown at quarterback who might stink? Especially when I already made a big splash for Justin Herbert. I just need a quarterback, too, to get me by. I could give up a lesser receiver than Cooper Cup. I could give up, or sorry, Puka Nakua. And I give up a lesser receiver and, and get something more stable. Or I could give up Puka Nakua and probably get a better quarterback than Jaden Daniels. Someone more stable. So I don't think it makes a lot of sense, actually. And you could spin it like that, where it doesn't make sense. Obviously, other people would say, hey, quarterback is super valuable. It's like, yeah, but think if after Justin Jefferson's season, you had said, oh, damn, I really need a quarterback. I'm going to give him up for Trey Lance, the third quarterback drafted that year. That, that would be literally tragic, would it not? And that, that is the equivalent. That's the equivalent because Puka's been the best rookie receiver season since Justin Jefferson, like full stop. So if you came into the next year and said, well, I need a quarterback really bad. I'm going to take the toolsy guy. I'm going to take the third quarterback drafted. That was Trey Lance. How would that work out? Bad, 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 bad. So maybe that doesn't happen. All right, Devin. Devin's another likely candidate. He's only one pick below, but we've talked about Devin's situation. He's in the past been very aggressive in moving up to get his guys, to get rookies, to get draft picks, to move up in the draft. You saw it last year with Kendra Miller. That, that man may never see the field again. <laughs> now, I don't think that was a horror. I don't think he gave up to, like a, an incredibly tragic amount, but you can see what the, we've all seen what the rookie fever has done to Devin. It's like, it's like a Civil War general with syphilis. You're like, holy shit, is he really going to make us do this battle? We're going to be fucked. And they're like, yeah, he's sifted out of his mind, dude. He doesn't know where the fuck he's at. That is Devin, full-blown, s- sexually transmitted infection from each rookie class, okay? But I think finally he's taken his penicillin, he's taken his antibiotics, he's going to calm down. His loins are going to stop burning, and he's going to say, I'm sitting at five with great prospects on the board. I am not giving up a shit ton to move up for an unknown quarterback, right? He's not totally settled. He's got Russell Wilson. Desmond Ritter's gone. He's a AOC. Aiden O'Connell maybe gets some more run it, it with the Raiders. Who knows? Um, you know, but he's got Kyler Murray. So it, it's, a, it's, it's a heavy proposition. So I think his offer is, Dave, I'll give you a 25-second. And that's where they're not going to see it. You know, from his perspective, Devin's like, that's the most I can give you. From Dave's perspective, he's going to say, that's not enough. I'm not leaving this draft here tonight trying to compete right now with a 25-second in my hand. Like, if I'm giving up this pick, I need something concrete. So he's going to look for some concrete. Is he going to get it from Drew? Unlikely. Drew's got a lot of picks, but why is he going to come up to get a quarterback right now? He just took Drake May, so he's not interested. Come knocking at my door. I'm all the way down there at 10. Uh, how many veterans am I going to give you for, for Jaden Daniels? I don't know. Maybe probably no one you like. We don't, we're not going to make a deal. He's going to look to Bob. Bob's not interested. Nate's set. He's got Lamar and Stroud. And there is one person, one person left in this league that's just sick enough to do it. The sick freak who time and time again, no matter the circumstances, no matter the year, no matter the cost, will always stockpile his quarterback room further. Yes, it's our sick, perverted, little bastard of a champion, Matt Horvodich, is trading up to 104. Now, why might you ask? Well, it's very simple. Yes, he does have a lot of quarterbacks. But check out his team now. Don't forget, he traded Kyler for Justin Fields. We just talked about Justin Fields. Tenuous situation. We don't know what's going on there. Yes, he's got Josh Allen. He's got Sam Howe. He's gone. He's got Bryce Young. He sucks. So Jaden Daniels is not a bad gamble. And let me tell you what, my little, my friends, my friends, if, 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 if it is indeed true that it goes quarterback, quarterback, quarterback this year, and Jaden Daniels is the third quarterback selected by the New England Patriots, you best believe he is not leaving that draft night without getting his grubby little hands on the new New England Patriots quarterback. So yes, he is trading up to secure Jaden Daniels. And what is he giving, you ask? Well, it's simple. The key to Dave's heart. Lions running backs and Rams receivers, baby. He's giving him David Montgomery, and for the fourth time between these two, he's giving him back Cooper Cup. Dave gets his running mate. He can play... David Montgomery and Gibbs every single week with Jared Goff and be happy. And Laporta. 
He's going to be King Lion's cocksucker. And Cooper Cup returns to him, which is a nice depth piece, because Dave wants to compete now. He's, he's tired of losing. He's tired of not making it to the semifinals or the championship. He wants to win now, and I don't blame him. So I think it's a good deal. Matt's at, up at four, and he takes Jaden Daniels with ease. And, you know, I've seen some things about, you know, why is Jaden Daniels not the quarterback? Uh, why is he not quarterback two, right? You get that rushing over upside. You get that rushing upside argument. And that's worked out in the past, right? It's worked out with Lamar. It's worked out with Hertz, Fields, TBD, Anthony Richardson, TBD, Trey Lance, absolutely not. Um, so that, that, can, that can burn you for sure. And then the other thing that I think is different is, yeah, he had the best year out of any of these guys. He was a Heisman candidate. So out of the quarterbacks that have been drafted so far, he had the best statistical year. But also it was his fifth year in college, fourth-year starter. I mean, he's at least two years older than these guys. I'm, I'm almost positive he's two years older than Drake May and Caleb Williams. That makes a difference, right? I mean, he's not Kenny Pickett, who you know dominated the ACC as a fucking adult and tricked everyone— no, tricked one team into believing that he was worth a first-round pick. Um, but it, it is a little more concerning when you have those situations. He was basically ran out of town at Arizona State. I know that program was not great. He wasn't great the past year with LSU on a decent team. It was Brian Kelly's first year. But also when you see it, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, Ole Miss with uh, DK and A.J. Brown, LSU with Odell and, um, and Jarvis. When you look at it, you're like, yeah, was he really good or did he, you know, was he a guy that had played a lot of college football that had two of the best five receivers in the nation on the same team, you know? Uh, and and that's going to be part of the question, right? And the other thing is the style of running. Like, yes, he has some amazing rushing production, multiple rushing touchdown games, tons of yardage. I think he had five touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns in one game or something crazy. Like he accounted, it was like he had like, four and four so he had eight total touchdowns um but the problem with him is you know when you watch Jalen Hurts running in trying to think of the wins right the wins in in that mold when you watch Jalen Hurts he could truck a dude like especially at at Oklahoma he was he was not worried about those big 12 defenders he's like no get the fuck out of my way if I need these yards I'm getting this first down and Lamar was just always buttery smooth like no one is the way he would just toe tap at the sideline or slide real quick like he wasn't taking unnecessary hits because he's so slippery Jaden Daniels is <laughs> kind of like a big, I don't, he's just like an idiot out there. Like, honestly, he is running straight into dudes. He is trying to leap over multiple defenders at a time or throwing himself head first into two guys. And he is not built. He is not built. He's not thick in the thighs like Lamar, or he's not, you know, sturdy all around like Jalen Hurts. He's probably like 180 pounds, like probably most people in the league weigh as much or more than him and he's he's doing that so the durability factor is definitely a concern for me and I just feel like he tucked it and ran it a lot and and those receivers are are basically constantly getting open you know um so I I think there is some there is some hesitancy around that which is why for me he's he's clearly quarterback three behind Drake May but you want to shoot for the moon I get it all right at number five Devin is on the board Okay, so Devin's looking around, and this is exactly it. Devin can't, you know, couldn't come to terms with Dave because he was saying, "I've got a, I've got a good ass prospect, a really top line prospect, you know, one of the better ones in the past couple of years in my hand, and you want me to give him up plus to get an unknown at quarterback? It's just, it's, it's, it's a gap that can't be crossed. So here he will be taking Malik Neighbors, and this is fun for him because if Neighbors has a big season, and um. You know, uh, Jaden Daniels is not. He can forever taunt Matt and just say, yep, Jaden Daniels was a neighbor's merchant. We all knew it. Um, Malik Neighbors, what can I say about him? He's awesome. His short area quickness, change of direction, explosiveness is just incredible. Like the way that he can literally stop on a dime and just change direction and completely juke someone out of their shoes and just take it straight to the end zone is amazing. Um, I see a lot of people saying, oh, and he plays outside and he can win outside and win it. I just want to say, I don't think he's a very savvy route runner. I think he can win with explosion down the field and make some plays. But to me, his best plays that I saw were all out of the slot. So I am, and that's the thing is, I know that Marvin Harrison can win on any quadrant, any segment, any route on the field, he can win. Um, 
I don't I don't see the same for Malik Neighbors, to be honest. And I don't see Malik Neighbors as a red zone threat in the traditional sense. Like he's not as tall. Um, he's not as good at high pointing the ball. He is more get the ball in his hands quickly and let him do his thing. Um and that could be great in the right offense. And I do think he will be great. And I've seen people say, like, oh, that's that's like DJ Moore. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I've never really been into that DJ Moore and I into that into DJ Moore that much. I've really been I've never really been into DJ Moore actually. Um, but yeah, it, and on top of that, I just think he's way more explosive than DJ Moore. So great prospect. Um, definitely wide receiver two by um, I don't know, this mock draft. I don't know. What the fuck do you want from me? Um not as good as Marv. All right, so up at six, Drew's back on the board. Drew is back to back to back to back. And I don't think Drew's going to make all these picks. I don't think he should. You know, we've looked at how successful first-round picks are. I think it's usually you got three to four that are absolute elite, top of the world. You're glad you drafted them. Three to four, very good flex players. Yeah, you got use of them. You know, maybe maybe not over the moon. And then two or three that are just complete busts. And the complete busts typically come in the later half of the round. So Drew's looking at this. I, I don't think it's smart for him to make all these picks. He's he's opening himself up to some risk, right? You load up on rookies. They take a while to get going. You know, you maybe want something in the hand now. So Drew's sitting here at, at, at six, and he's got some interesting prospects that he could consider. Um, but he's going to start shopping this pick, and someone is going to come knocking. Someone who's not in the first round, but it's a surprise entrance. And that is, one, Nathaniel Higgins. That's right. What is Nate after and what's he offering? So Drew here, he got Drake May. Like I said, he's got Geno Smith, he's got Derek Carr, he's got Drake May now. But it's not enough. It's just not enough. He needs a little more juice at quarterback, a little more upside, a little more youth. And who does he have available for him at a reasonable price? It's Will Levis, of course. Yes, that's right. Nate, I made a terrible move jumping you last year to take Jonathan Mingo when Will Levis was still on the board. When all that time after the Titans drafted him, every time Drew and I talked about him, I just said, but Drew, what if he's good? What if he's good? And he might be good. He could be good. And I think if you're Drew, you've got three more picks after this. Who's left on the board? Are you going to take J.J. McCarthy here? Wouldn't you rather have Will Levis and J.J. McCarthy? Not only just from a physical standpoint, from you know being longer in the in the league. You know he's the quarterback of the Titans. I think you would want him. And Nate, if you look at Nate, he's got Stafford, Lamar, and Stroud. He's never starting Will Levis. I mean, he needs to win. He wants to win now. He wants to compete. Um, so it really doesn't make sense for him to keep him. So I think this is a match made in heaven trade. I don't know if either of them considered it until now, but I feel like I should get, one of them should throw me a second round pick for arranging this in case it happens, um, playing matchmaker over here. But anyway, so what is Nate coming for? So Nate, like I said, set at quarterback. He's got Saquon. He's got Kenneth Walker, decent at running back. I think this, probably when draft day comes around, we'll have a clear running back one with the landing spots. It's not a great class, but we know they're going to get steamed up. Someone goes to the Cowboys, you know, they're getting steamed up. Someone goes to the Chargers, they're getting pushed up. Um, And we'll get to them. But for now, when I look at Nate's team, I think what's his biggest gap? There's there's some great receivers on the board here. But, you know, he's got them. Are you really going to give up Will Levis for a receiver? You know, when you've, you've got other chances and other avenues to get solid receiving help. But then I look at his team and I see Dalton Schultz is his tight end. Oh, oh God, fuck. I was threw up. I mean, he's got Michael Mayer too, but, that, you know, I, I don't think Michael Mayer is going to be a, a legit, legit receiving weapon. Um, he's going to be more of a blocker, more of a Jason Witten type. You get a chance to take Brock Bowers right here. You do it. This is an automatic upgrade. This is a guy that could have a Laporta-type um, rookie season right out the gate. I mean, a dude that's going to go in the top 10, all the athleticism in the world, this is the kind of gamble you take. You fill that last hole on your roster and you go compete. So Day, Drew so that, 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 Drew will be trading pick six for Will Levis, and Nate will be selecting Brock Bowers' tight end out of Georgia at pick six. All right, Drew's back up on the board at seven. He's going to just continue to add to his, uh, his flex room here. So he's going to go take Rome Adunze from Washington. So, you know, what can we say about Adunze? I, I like Adunze a lot. 
Um, when I talk about neighbors not winning downfield, that's a Dunze specialty. I think he is extremely smooth as a route runner. Um, I know he gets into a lot of quote-unquote contested catch situations, but I'm like, is that a contested catch or a you know, back shoulder kind of catch, like, like an A-B Ben connection back in the day? I'm like, that's not necessarily contested, in my opinion. Um, and he's decent at contested catch situations. I don't think he's great with press. I think that showed in the national championship game, which kind of was like, eh, I, thought, I thought he was better at that when I watched him in the Pac-12 against their bum corners. Um, but no, I think that he's got a lot of things you like. It really is a vertical threat, like attacking the ball downfield. Um, and like I said, just wins with a lot of savviness. And he's great size. Like for his size, his movement abilities and how fluid he is, is just amazing. And I do have on some authority... Daniel Jeremiah, who's like, you know, the big top scout that everybody sucks off. Someone had leaked. I got cut off. Someone leaked a text from him. Basically, people were asking him, hey, let, let me know. Don't, don't ask how I got this. You know, they were talking about him. Hey, it's how you put Odunze really high. He's your fourth-ranked player total in your top 100, four overall. And they were like, how do you think he compares to Marvin? And the guy said, look, I would never do this because I would, I would literally get killed. But he's like, part of me wanted me to, to put a, him ahead of Marvin Harrison. But I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I didn't. Um, that's fucking crazy. I don't think that's right uh, for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. But I think Odunze is really good. And I'm not entirely sure if I have him below neighbors for now. I'm just going to say that. All right, so Drew gets him here, here at 7. And Drew looks at it and goes, okay, look. Yes, I miss Marvin Harrison, but I got Drake May. Uh, so it's 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 Drake May and Adunze or Marvin Harrison and JJ, or JJ McCarthy, right? Um, and plus I got Will Levis. So let's keep the train going. At eight, Drew's going to take Blake Corum. I talked about him last time, kind of planted my flag. Hey, I don't think enough people are talking about that Blake Corum's probably in the top three of running backs in this class. Like we need to recognize that. Reminds me a lot of James Conner. You could get James Conner's career at pick eight. I think you take it. And then at nine... Drew's going to take Troy Franklin, another guy I planted my flag on. I think he should be the fourth receiver off the board. I'm seeing a lot of things. It seems like most of the NFL plugged-in guys have him ranked, ranked way lower than I do, like underneath the Texas guys, underneath Brian Thomas I could see. Um, but also, it's like, you know, when you start saying, oh, yeah, he's below Malachi Corley and Xavier Leggett for me, I'm like, all right, come the fuck on. Be real. Like, seriously, just, just, just watch the fucking games and look – Look at, look at this guy play. Troy F- Franklin is a track star, and it fucking shows. When he, he, his strides are so long, he's one of those dudes, like, every stride he takes, his heel is hitting his ass because his strides are that long. He is that sprinter archetype. The way that he can get downfield and just completely burn dudes is amazing. I don't think he has great change of direction or um, kind of like, like, he's a sprinter to me. He is not a guy that is quick stopping and changing direction. But get him in a straight line, he's amazing. I've seen him play in the slot. I don't think it's it's as impressive as it could be. I think especially with his size, he's a little skinnier. I think that's also why the NFL like kind of standard guys are, are lower on him. Like, oh, he's, he's too skinny. Um, but I think, so like not great, you know, fighting for extra yards through contact or in contested catches. And he had a lot of drops. But when you see his speed and you see what he can do downfield, you're like, that's a rare trait. And where he's projected to go in the late first round, I mean, if the Chiefs or the Bills take him, people will be going absolutely fucking nuts for this guy. So I'm going to keep doing this because I, I need it out there in the world that he's my wide receiver for. I normally don't like to blend my own rankings where they deviate from consensus too much into this thing but I have to do this I need this to be known um just so I can gloat if he ends up being good all right so to recap we're not at the end of the first round but to recap for Drew because Drew's dominated this first round he's got the most picks it's a big night for him so he gets Drake May at number two he trades six for Will Levis he gets Roma Dunze Blake Corum and Troy Franklin the same Roman Dunze that Daniel Jeremiah claims he wanted to put over Marvin Harrison, which is bullshit. I don't believe it. Blake Corum, a solid running back that hopefully he can pretty soon start flexing. And Troy Franklin, another receiver with a ton of upside. Plus, two quarterbacks, both beefcakes, both massive hunks of, hunks of monk, um, one of which is the quarterback of his favorite team, which completely um, energizes and revamps his quarterback room. 
if, you know, if that's Drew's night, yes, he lost Marvin Harrison. I like this draft for him. And I didn't think the Marvin Harrison version that I did last time was bad either, because there's a lot of the same players. Um, but I think that's a that's a good night. I don't think there's going to be a stressed out, uh, angry cigar in the backyard. I think there's going to be a celebration cigar in the backyard if Drew pulls off that kind of night. <laughs> so, all right, last pick of the first round, last pick of the evening, pick 10. Let's serve you up a slice of hypocrite pie right now, and it's me, and I'm taking J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, why would I do it, and why not? Well, I took a receiver. Um, like I said, this is, uh, like many of these picks, this is probably a running back. When when we get the draft cap spots, assuming that, you know, there's three or four teams that really could use a running back that are very attractive spots, like the Cowboys, um, like the Chargers that I mentioned, um, I'd have to really, I'm not going to be able to do it right now and rack my brain and think of who else needs a running back to, oh, the Bengals, if they got rid of Joe Mixon. Yeah, like there's a couple, there's a couple, right? And that's probably what this will settle into. But without those landing spots yet, I'm just going to take, I'm going to take a quarterback that I've, I'm almost very confident is going in the first round. Confident is probably going in the top 15 picks. I think could go to a situation where he's going to sit a year. Um, but that's okay. I'm not hurting for a quarterback. I think the value's here. And by the way, I'm. you also always got to be aware of who's behind you. And directly behind you, me is Matt. And nobody think for a minute, just because he traded up for four and got Jaden Daniels, that he won't take J.J. McCarthy unless I take him right now. So I'm going to do that. Um, you know, I think the league is a lot higher on him than other people watch. And it's like when you watch, I know people say, well, they were selling out to stop the run. Um two years ago when he played at Ohio State and just shredded them. And I know that, you know, the second half of the game, basically Donovan Edwards just put it away. But still, some of the passes that J.J. McCarthy made, I mean, the the arm strength to get those balls downfield and leading the receivers. I know people are saying, but well, they were selling out the stuff. I'm like, dude, I don't know. You can see there are certain games with him. I get it. You see the flashes. You always see the athleticism. He can always pick up more yardage. He's he's very mobile and very um, very athletic and quick. But you can see the big arm flashes, and you're like, yeah. I mean, it's. I get that he handed the ball off like 30 times every game, and that's how they won. But it's like, yeah, Harbaugh built up that program specifically to do that, to beat people on the ground, to beat people in the trenches and win that way. And just because he got McCarthy, not like they really had the receivers. I mean, he's throwing to tight ends more than anyone else. Harbaugh's not going to change the entire coaching philosophy, the entire offensive philosophy, just because he's like, wow, McCarthy could throw it better than I thought. So I do think in the right situation, he could be cultivated to something a lot greater than what he was in college. But it's a big if. It's a big if if he goes to the right place. And similar to the Caleb Williams conversation, there's a chance he's going somewhere to start day one. And I I don't know how that's going to work out. (laughs) We've seen it with Zach Wilson. We've seen it with Mac Jones. It's just like, sometimes it doesn't really work out. But at pick 10, I'll take it because I know Matt will anyway. So I like to screw him. All right, well, that's, that's almost an hour Gee willikers, should we do this? Are we really going to do this? Should we do round two? Yeah, some people didn't get to draft. Let's just do round two. Let's do round two real quick. So Matt's on the board. He's at number 11. Let's have him taking Jonathan Brooks, uh, running back out of Texas. I'm surprised that he came out. Not only did he have a late-season ACL injury, I don't believe he'll be doing any of the, like he didn't do the senior bowl. I don't think he'll go to the combine. But I still think he could be a guy that gets drafted pretty high. I think prior to the injury, he was probably the best talent in the nation last year at running back. Um, I always thought he would be coming out in 2025. He's coming out now. But we'll see how that works out. We'll see how when he can recover from the injury and the ACL tear. But um, definitely very intriguing, especially if he gets the draft capital. All right, Nick Young made the gamble. He's up at 12. He's up at 12. He was not tempted to jump up to get Jaden Daniels. But at this spot, he will be taking Bo Nix. I expect Bo Nix to go in the top of round two, um, maybe a little later than that. And I don't think it'll be a Hendon Hooker situation where it's like, oh, he's behind Goff and like something catastrophic would have to happen. I could definitely see a team like the Giants taking him in the second round, just being like, look, we're not sold on Daniel Jones. Let's get another guy in here. Um, and Nick Young's not back on the board for quite some time. You know, he's, like I said, he's already made a big deal for Justin Herbert. I think this is a good investment, a good, a, a good dice roll at this time, right? And we look at second-round quarterbacks all the time, like Will Levis. Well, Will Levis was drafted at pick, what, 19 last year? Nate just flipped him for a six, right? And he's probably the definitive starter for the Titans next year, so long as he's healthy. 
So when we look at these quarterbacks that get drafted in that like early second round range, which I think Bo Nix will, I'm like, ah, oh, you're going to take him at pick 12? I mean, the same thing with Jalen Hurts. It's like, yeah, they. The, a lot of times we let these guys slip to 18 through 20, and then they end up, it's like, yeah, they probably should have gotten close to top 10. So I don't think it's a bad pick. All right, I'm up at 13. I'm going to be taking Brian Thomas now, who I mentioned earlier, another receiver. Um, Brian Thomas kind of reminds he hit 17 touchdowns this year. That's amazing, you know, running alongside Malik Neighbors. Very tall, um, a, a, an amazing red zone target. You know, kind of reminds me of is Gabe Davis. And I think, you know, we all know that you look at guys that look like Brian Thomas and Gabe Davis, you're like, oh, they're going to be the next great receiver. And you realize, no, they're just, they're not. They're, they're, they're good at doing a few things and they're incredible athletes and have perfect size, but they just don't have it, right? They don't have it, the diversity of route tree and, and that technique to really be number one, like all time receivers, but what they can do, they can do well. And at pick 13, if I'm getting Gabe Davis, yeah, I know Gabe Davis has been inconsistent, but that's, that's, that's pretty good for pick 13. I would take what Gabe Davis has done in the past and take those big weeks. And also, he's in a range where people are like, yeah, I'll probably be available for the Bills. And Gabe Davis's contract is up. I mean, if he is the replacement for Gabe Davis in that Bills offense, then yeah, I don't think he's going to be here at 13, um, obviously. So I think that's a good pick. All right, Dave's on the board. So Dave got his quarterback. He got uh, David Montgomery and Cooper Cup, but he's not done hitting the running back well. He's got to get a running back. He's got two picks. He's got this pick, and then he's back up um, on at 16. We've got a double-decker Dan and Dave sandwich over here. Pretty enticing. Dan, Dave, Dan, Dave in the second round. That's pretty That's pretty hot. Um, so, you know, I think he's going he's gonna to keep coming back to the running back well um, because he's, he's got to take chances. At, at this round, he can get receivers that you would rank higher, but he needs a running back that's going to pop. So I'm going to have a taking Audric Estime from Notre Dame. I think you're, you're good, stereotypical power back, not a pass catcher. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're in a class of committee members, right? We're really not looking. There are not many guys in this class. I don't think there may be a single guy in this class that is going to end up a solid the dude on a team. Even the ones that get drafted to a good scenario, good situation where you're like, oh, there's, they don't have much else. I still don't think. It's like, they'll find somebody else. These guys aren't going to get all the carries. So I think that Audrey Gessemay, big power back, could be the David Montgomery to someone's Gibbs. So, yeah, I, I like that pick here. Okay. I'm up at 15. So, again, know thy enemy. What does your enemy want, and what can you do to them to take it away? So just like I knew, breathing down my neck at pick 11, when I was up at 10, I had to take J.J. McCarthy so Matt couldn't get his grubby little fingers on it. And, Dave, your gluttony for the running back position, ignoring more talented players will be the death of you because right now at pick 15 I'm taking Lad McConkey. I'm going out for pints with the Lad. Yes, Lad McConkey. My guy from Georgia. Um all the reports, I didn't get a chance to watch. I was busy this year. All the reports are he dominated at the Senior Bowl. Um I it's so hard to to comp a white receiver to anybody but a white receiver and I just see Adam Thielen. I don't know why other people don't say that as much. I never hear people mention Adam Thielen when he comes, when, when Lad is on the table, when the lads are out. I don't, but that's what I see. And I'm like, yeah, I think he's good. I am a little worried about his injury history, but um, if he gets to drive capital, I'm taking Lad here because I just know I will always hang it over Dave's head if I have Lad and he doesn't. So that's good for me. All right, at pick 16, Dave is disappointed he missed out on Lad. He's going to keep hitting the running back well, so he's going to take. Our guy, Bucky the Ducky, good old Bucky Irving out of Oregon. Um, here's the opposite of Estime. Here's your Gibbs to someone's um, David Montgomery. Obviously not as explosive or as talented as Gibbs, in my opinion, but very good. I mean, this dude, <laughs> there is a clip going around. It's so funny. The announcer goes, oh, my God, Bucky squirts through the hole. But it is true. Like, he just seems to do that. He's he's a smaller guy, and he just has this way of making himself really small and getting through these tight windows and these tight gaps that you don't expect him to pop out of the other side of, and then he does. And he's very fast. He's small. He's probably like 180 pounds. But we're seeing more and more 
running back by committees. We're seeing more running backs that look like that have a role and stick around. I think Bucky could do that. Um, like I said, Dave needs uh, uh, upside at running back. So it's a fine pick at 16. All right, Nate's back up at 17. Nate's going to let the value fall to him. He's going to take Keon Coleman. I think Keon Coleman is probably a lot of people's wide receiver four, um, and that's probably not wrong. Um, he had an awesome year at Florida State. He was actually on the Michigan State basketball team and football team at the same time his first year. And then they were like, hey, you have to pick a sport. This is insustainable. So he picked football. Um, and you see that. He is the contested catch jump ball specialist, right? And with those guys, there's always that concern. Are they doing that because they're just so good at it? Why else would they, why would they do anything else? Or is it because they can't separate? I don't know if you really care with him. Again, he goes to the right situation. He is an awesome red zone weapon. Um, you know, if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt and they can kind of continue the year, I think he and, – and I think there's a little bit too that I wonder because there was there – was, when we look at the guys, everyone – every receiver that's been drafted so far, I would say had a more consistent year than Keon Coleman if you look at their game logs. But I do wonder a bit. We saw Jordan Travis and that Florida State team. They were begging to lose a game. So many times they were begging to lose against Duke, against, oh, I can't remember who else it was. Was it Clemson? There were so many games that were so close. They were begging to lose those games. They ended up pulling them out. And I do wonder, like Jordan Travis, good, good college quarterback, but a little inconsistent. And so I wonder if you look at Keon Coleman and say, yeah, he had an up and down season. How much of that was on Jordan Travis? You know, and we look at him and we say, you know, if we look back, okay, so Marvin Harrison, yeah, he had McCord, who's the worst of the bunch, but he's an alien. He's Marvin Harrison, right? Um, neighbors and, and Thomas, they had Jaden Daniels. Adunze had Penix. Uh, Troy Franklin had Bo Nix. And then you look at Keon Coleman, you're like, yeah, he had Jordan Travis. He was the worst of all those guys. So it could, it, I, I, think, I think that Keon Coleman could actually have a better, a more stable career game-to-game game than he had in college. So for Nate at 17, like I said earlier, he could use some juice at receiver. He got the tight end handled with Brock Bowers. So Coleman is the pick at 17. All right, Bob at 18. Bob struck gold with Devon A-Chain. He may have struck gold with Tajay Spears. I said it immediately after that draft. When we left that draft, I said, I hate every pick I made, and Bob made all the picks that I was supposed to make. And when I looked back at my rankings before um, – my pre-draft rankings, I'm like, holy shit. Bob got, like, every guy I was, I was high on. I mean, he had a great draft. But I think he's going to go back to that well. He's going to do what worked. Keep hitting that running back position. He's got good receivers. He's got good quarterbacks. He's got to keep hitting gold. So he'll be taking Trey Benson, uh, the running back for Florida State. Kind of a do-it-all back. I don't think immensely special. Um, but, but maybe the best of the bunch that's left. Uh, all right. Bill's up at 19. Well, I'm taking a shot. Michael Penix. Bill's never really had quarterback to, well, I mean, no, he's had it figured out with Kirk Cousins. I think part of him has always waffled between Kirk Cousins is good enough versus I want to upgrade Kirk Cousins, right? That led to the Mac Jones trade. That's led to some other moves. But then, you know, Kirk Cousins was out this year, and if Kirk Cousins finishes the year, maybe Bill is holding the championship. Maybe Bill wins the Bahama Bowl. I don't know. I don't know. But the point is, is that, um, I think it, at pick 19, you're not going to let this guy fall anymore. Even if he goes in the third round, which he might, um, just today without knowing that, I'm going to have him. I, I can't have him not in a, in a two-round draft. All right, last pick of the night, Matt Horvodich, back up. I'm taking Xavier Worthy, little jitterbug, small speed guy from Texas. Um, you know, what else is there to say? Who cares? He took a receiver. It's pick 20. I'm tired. All right, so that is the end of the two-round post-Super Bowl hangover mock draft. And we still have a lot of good players on the board. We still got Adonai Mitchell and Roman Wilson and Jamari Thrash and Xavier Leggett and Malachi Corley, the guys that are better than Marvin Harrison. Just kidding. We still got Ray Davis, Marshawn Lloyd, Braylon Allen, Dylan Johnson. There's a bunch of running backs we could have taken. No one took no one took Jatavian Sanders, that other tight end from Texas. Spencer Rattler, the Rat Man, the Rat King. And guess what? The most amazing thing in this draft, Frank Gore Jr. and Brendan Rice, who's Jerry Rice's son, are in this draft. And no one took them. No one wants to take that NFL bloodline. Are you crazy? All right. Well, it's a lot of fun. I guess I could recap it for you. The draft goes, Dave takes Caleb Williams. Drew takes Drake May. I'm taking Marvin Harrison at three. At four, 
Matt is trading so he can get Jaden Daniels. At five, Devin is staying put, taking Malik Neighbors. At six, Nate trades up to get Brock Bowers. Seven, Drew takes Adunze. Eight, Drew takes Corman. Nine, Drew takes Troy Franklin. At 10, I'm taking J.J. McCarthy. At 11, Matt's taking Jonathan Brooks. 12, Nick Young takes Bo Nix. At 13, I'm taking Brian Thomas. 14, Dave takes Audrick Estime. 15, I'm taking Lad, my Lad McConkie. 16, Dave's taking Bucky Irving. At 17, Nate's got Keon Coleman. At 18, Bob's taking Troy, Trey Benson. 19, Billy's taking Michael Penix. And at 20, Matt's taking Savior Worthy. So, I hope you liked your haul. I hope you liked your trade. If you weren't in the first round as of today, and then you found yourself in the first round after ho- listening to this this mock draft, I hope it inspired you. I hope it tickled your loins and made you think about trading up because that's what it's all about, baby. And guess what? We got six long months to think about this. Six long months for you to flip back and forth and think, oh, should I take Marvin or should I take Drake May? Gonna haunt you every night, Drew. You might as well kill yourself now. Kill yourself now, Drew. This is not a joke. This is a subliminal message beamed into your mind. Kill yourself right now and in your will, write that I get picked too. Thanks. Bye-bye.